Hi, I'm Matt Kierkegaard. Welcome to Brewery Pro. In an industry where malt, water, hops and yeast are the rock stars, fluid control in the brew house may not seem the sexiest topic for a conversation. However, as breweries grow and expand production and competition in the marketplace demands quality and consistency more than ever before, process and replicability are becoming more and more important for professional brewers. In this Brewery Pro podcast, we meet Luke Houlihan, a winemaker termed business development manager for Burkett Fluid Control Systems, and discuss winemaking, starting as a BDM when a state is in lockdown, and also talk about Burkett and fluid control and the benefits they can bring to a brew house. This is partner content, but as with all Brewery Pro content, we aim to educate and inform our audience of brewing industry professionals. Enjoy this conversation with Luke Houlihan and learning more about this important topic. Luke Houlihan, welcome to Brewery Pro. Thank you, Matt. Nice to be here. We are going to be talking a little bit about fluid control and your your role at Burkett, but I'm always fascinated at the number of people with a wine background who you know, have come into brewing or brewing adjacent industries. Tell us a little bit about your background as a winemaker. Yeah, so Matt, I've been, uh, I suppose I still I consider myself still a winemaker. I uh, I, so I guess you're never not a winemaker, right? Like that's no, a, you're not, are you still working as a winemaker? Uh, not as such. I've just, I wrapped up, I had my own brand, which I wrapped up about um, two years ago, just through mainly not having enough time really to get out and keep selling it it's a uh, it's a tough market and uh you've got to keep your foot on the gas the whole time to keep moving stock so i made the hard call of uh shelving that uh and that's not a uh, sort of a full stop on that I, I don't think i think at sort of some point i'll pull some fruit together and, and make some more at some stage but just not at the moment it's just uh, a big you know a big, uh, not change, but a, a different focus really at the moment. And, and I guess that there are some parallels there for you know our, our brewing industry audience who, you know, it, it, it's one thing to love doing the you know the, the making of the wine or in, in in our case the beer, but there's this whole business around doing that that involves selling. Yeah, look, it's a um, it's a it's a completely different focus in a way. In a sense, it's easy to make the stuff. I think um, it's getting out there and getting the uh, the putters to pick your product off the shelf when there's a, a shelf full of, you know, hundreds of, mm. uh, of competitors. So uh, it, it is, it's a tough gig. And I, um, and I think sort of, uh, you know, I suppose in particularly for beer, like the, the um, odd tax, tax arrangements with, with, um, with breweries makes it really hard for them. Uh, I think the wine industry have been able to influence the, the, uh, decision makers in terms of tax law and stuff and be able to get a few more a lot more benefits to help um, and hopefully you know with the growth of the uh, craft brewing sector that they're able to pull some weight together and, and get a bit more leverage too for their benefit yeah and look i i guess in, in australia you know wine has always been seen as a smaller industry that's just it, it it's just by its very nature, often viewed as being a little bit different to, to brewing because brewing had become so big. And so we're only reaching the stage now that the industry is starting to, that the small brewing industry is starting to get a voice to, to lobby for some of those changes. Yeah, look, the, the, I suppose there's 
fair bit of differences in a way. Like I think winemaking viticulture is very tied to that sort of cyclical primary production type of focus. So uh, I look, you know, and I suppose from that viticulture perspective, it's been quite a big industry, you know, that uh, big growth industry through the 90s as well. So, you know, they did get a lot of uh, investment and uh, leverage as a result, I presume. Yeah. So you've, you, you started with um, Burkett earlier this year in a business development role, um, and, and you, you came on board well after the COVID lockdowns had started. That must have been an interesting challenge, starting in a new role with a portfolio of customers at a time that you couldn't get out and visit them. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I looked my my accountant smacked his head and said, "What are you doing?" When I told him that I was thinking about making making the move, uh, and look, I was a bit bit wary about it, but I uh, I was, it was actually a really cool role, um, and it was a, a sort of a job that I didn't want to want, want to pass up um, in this in the sense that uh, it was re- really interesting offered a great opportunity to I suppose expand on my sidestep in in the industry um, as well so out of winemaking I went into a role with a company where we we're offering sort of enological supplies um, and water filtration um, wine filtration beer filtration so out of sort of the wine industry I had a sort of a sideways step into the brewing industry and distillation industry supporting them in in wine, I mean, in uh, water treatment and product filtration. So that sort of really piqued my interest in a way. And sort of this role with Burkett has been sort of a natural progression, I think, in terms of my development and understanding of, I suppose, the needs of the industries. But on top of that, it's the automation level, which is taking industries to the next the next level sort of on on towards sort of that ai type aspect of where industry is going um so it's a uh, it's a pretty pretty cool and interesting interesting role so when it came up i actually wasn't even looking for a job a mate of mine flicked me the details and said you should look at this it's right down your alley so i uh, i had a look at it and went for the job and uh, and got it so um i'm uh, bit of a, a fatalist in a sense that I think these things just come up when the timing's right so uh, <laughs> I, I, I jumped at it. And and how was it not being able to actually get out to, to visit your customers? Um, how have you been doing that? How have you been coping with uh, lockdown? Because you're based in Victoria as well so it's been the prolonged lockdown. In... Oh it's been a horribly prolonged lockdown. Um, I'm, I'm out in the uh, Yarra Valley um, so fortunately we've got uh, some you know nice open spaces where we can get out. I do a fair bit of running and, you know, there's some good good trails up in the hills and stuff, so we can get out there. Um, in terms of the job, it's been, uh, it's been hard, but, you know, I've got a, I've got a good um, contact list um, of people I've, you know, I've been able to chat with and I suppose just start letting people know where I am, I'm at and what I'm doing and what Burkett do. Really well supported with the, content that the the Burkett has in terms of internal training and um, development as well as um, you know just short promotional type information things there's a a YouTube series that um, our GM has made called Burkett Bites which are five to eight minute long 
um, snippets of the various platforms that we can run automation on. And from my perspective, in terms of learning as well, they've been great, um, but they really speak well to, I think, you know, your your listeners that, um, you know, the people we're keen to talk to and, and encouraged to look at these things is the simplicity of, of what we're offering. People, I think, tend to have this idea that automation is, you know, pretty scary and expensive. Um, whereas I think, um, you know, once you look at these, you go, oh, wow, it's really quite simple. It's, you know, plug and play. You don't have the... Um, need to have a, a Sparky on site for a week tying in, you know, kilometres of wires sort of from a from a sensor or a valve back to a, a control board. And and once you look at this, you sort of, you can, I think you broaden sort of your, um, your focus. And I think for your listeners, it'd be a great opportunity for them to have a look if they're not too sure what, what we're talking about when we're talking about automation, um, to have a look at these and it really gives you a clear understanding of how adaptable these platforms are and why after sort of the initial sort of capital expense of the the equipment they're actually not expensive when you weigh it up comparative to old school sparkies wiring in bits and pieces for you we'll certainly come back to that because i've watched those uh um, short videos and found them fascinating because not having a technical knowledge of a lot of the setup of a brewery but seeing what's possible and it's very very different from manually connecting hoses and uh, things in the brew house yeah yeah for sure it's there's no other way i can put it but it's it's a very unsexy part of the craft brewing industry you know everyone gets into well, a lot of people get into brewing because of the romanticism of making beer and selling it to people who receive it but it, it, it says a lot about the maturity of the industry that we are starting to look at some of these nuts and bolts within the brew house that allow brewers more control and more replicability of the beers that they're making isn't it yeah look absolutely i think um and you know it's those i suppose those hidden like you said those unsexy bits that can really cause you grief and really give you the shits like you know that it's you know from a winemaking perspective it's you know midnight or 1am in the morning mid vintage and you've got fruit sitting out and you something goes to shit and it's it's a little piddly little thing that really has a bigger impact and i i think it's yeah, you know, the same for for your listeners. That yeah, you know, it's the little niggly things that really, really get to you and take you away from the focus of of your craft and your art in a way. And we've got some great looking valves with these beautiful LED <laughs> sort of uh, lights on top of them, which look really nice in place. But you know, in a way, they you want them sitting in the you want us in the background and being a support for what the brewer um, and your listeners wanting are wanting to achieve. You don't, you know, want, we're not necessarily the star of the show, um, but we're a really, like you said, a um, reliable support there, which gives you that repeatability to provide a really, really consistent product. Um, and that's the important thing, I think, is that you put in place a, a platform that's not going to give you any grief so you can get on with the job. The thing I'm hearing is that failures, you know, like if, if things break or if they're not working efficiently, you know, that's 
to, to a brewer, that means time, money, and quality lost to them. Oh, mate, absolutely. Um, failures have a, a cost everywhere. So, you know, you've got, you know, potential loss of product. You've got deterioration of the quality of the product. Um, you've got the cost of downtime of staff standing around while you've got to fix stuff. You've got, you know, loss of production time. So, you know, you've got capital tied up in equipment that's sitting around. Um, service call-outs for, you know, technicians if you need them. You know, a sparky after hours isn't cheap. It helps also remove the cost of, you know, human error, not necessarily breakdowns, but, you know, um, you know someone not keeping a focus on a, uh, the temperature on, you know, on a kettle or an element of production and it overshoots it or doesn't get to the right temperature and your enzymatic reactions don't take place. You know, there's, there's, it's constant and... You know, you you sort of you don't want to get to the end of your production and then look at your product and go, oh shit, what happened here? Um, you know, you want to be able to be on top of that from the outset, and that's where this level of automation really, really steps in uh, to help remove those uh, elements or helps flag a warning before it happens, or even if you know if it does happen before you get too far down the that production run, where you can maybe remedy the situation i think it's a sign that the craft industry is maturing that once upon a time you know the story was it's handmade um and it it was almost as if that forgave a whole lot of sins because it was handmade and you didn't and automation was the the opposite of that but craft and consistency and craft and quality are becoming much more spoken in the same breath and I, i guess that's where that automation that you're talking about and that ability to control, you know, is control is quality. I think those those are the key words. That consistency and quality are where where the craft industry is at, and what your listeners are, you know, really achieving really well. And I think, you know, I, the thing I love about sort of, um, I think the sort of the camaraderie in in you know the craft brewing industry and, you know, I saw it in the wine industry as well, that everyone's looking out for each other and wanting everyone everyone to succeed. Um, and I think what it does, it actually pushes that quality level. Everyone's pushing each other on that quality and that consistency level. And, you know, the, the, the punt is the winner, but also, the, you know, the, 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 the people buying, buying, buying your booze on, in the bottle O or off, off the, tap at the at a at a pub they're, they're more and more informed they you know they're not you know just the your standard old old style booze hound who you know just stuck with their cub or whatever it was but um you know they, they're happy to try different beers but they know what they like and they'll come back to it time and time again if they like it um and especially that keyword of consistency if each time they come back it's the same as what they had the previous time that's a that's a winner, um, and as a as a, a booze hound myself, I think uh, I, I, I know I know what that's like. like you don't really, you know, you know, want to you want to open up a a, a can of beer knowing that what you're buying this time is what you bought last time. That's the thing. A lot of the smaller brewers are competing in a sense with the big brewers, but they're not competing on price. They're not necessarily um, competing on product, but they do need to compete on quality. 
um, and, and consistency of their product. Yeah, look, and I think you know having a uh, an automated platform is a massive boon to be able to, to to achieve that, but it also provides them more opportunity to focus on product development, sort of then improving. You know, those, those one percenters just improving, improving sort of little elements, making those tweaks, because you with that element of repeatability, you know that you're you're working off a a um, the same platform. Say, for example, you've got a parallel. Every time you're making this parallel, this is the same platform. But if you want to make a tweak by changing a, a, a you know a, a temperature for a holding time for a minute or two minutes or whatever it is that that is the only differential you're making in that in that production so you know when you look at that product that that change you made is giving you that outcome that you like um, or don't like so you, you don't do it um, and then it gives you that scalability too so as your the demand because the punters are liking your beer as the as your as that demand increases you can adjust you, you know, you can make this a, a scalable proposition where, you know, you can get the same output um, through through those levels of automation. And, and, I mean, automation is pretty much just using technology to manage what would, you know, previously have been a manual procedure, but it, it just gives you that ability to... The, the, the brewer is still in control. They're just using the automa- automation to control that process. Yeah. Oh, look, absolutely. The, the the brewer is, you know, 100% in control. Um, what this does is removes those um, elements where human error can come into it, um, distraction can come into it, um, levels of breakdowns obviously can come into it. Uh, so it, it puts in place, I suppose, checks and balances that would not wouldn't be in a traditional process necessarily. Um, so, you know, that, uh, I think, uh, like I said earlier, it, it isn't, it's not, it's supporting the brewer's craft in a way, and it is the, uh, the hidden element in your, in the brew process. Like it, it really is a, a platform underneath the actual whole production process of, of brewing. Burkett's been working with, um, Matilda Bay, you know, a, Phil Sexton, as he you know, reinvigorates the Matilda Bay brand with the new brewery down in Hillsville. But if you've got a pre-existing uh, brewery, are you able to retrofit um, the you know, Burkitt uh, fluid control into an existing brewery or does that increase cost and complexity? Look, that's a, uh, there's so many sort of answers in that, in that question. Um, uh, it's, um, it's a sort of a bit of a yes and no like there, mm. there is going to be there is going to be sort of um i suppose uh what we'd say physical elements that you know you might have to move some piping and stuff like that to to get it off to you know, to fit into place um in terms of an operational perspective we can really do whatever the brewer brewer needs or they they you know they want to achieve um our approach is really a it's a sort of a tailored approach like no no brew house is the same um or you know each brew will have their own sort of um view of how they want to achieve something um so 
you know, we'll we'll come into a um, say for an, an existing brewery, and we aim to partner with with your your listeners and the businesses. We we uh, you know our success is is your success. That's pretty bit of a cliche. I don't know how many times you've probably heard that in podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> um, you know it really is like we we can only succeed if you succeed, and you know we we're not in term into um, a commodity market where you know we're going to just walk in, sell you a valve, and walk out onto the next customer. We want to be in it for a long haul, and I think get an understanding of what um, you know your your breweries out there, what they're what they're wanting to achieve, what's their longer term goal, and maybe you know not necessarily doing everything in one big bite um, because you know we understand about you know, cash flow and particularly in sort of brewing and wine industries that that it can be bloody tight. So we um, will sort of look at your whole plan and sort of go, okay, if you're wanting to get to point B, let's look at, you know, this level that we can put in place now where you can have, you know, this platform and have these, say, for example, these glycol valves and this temperature control. And then in three years, all going to plan, we can put in this level control and these flow meters and, from once once you've got that platform, it's very very simple and not expensive to roll out. Um, I know if you saw that um, one of those YouTube demonstrations that uh, Chris Hoey did with uh, the, demonstrating the two um, two ways of rolling out sort of the old traditional sort of wire and tying everything into a um, EDIP platform which is about 15 to 20 times quicker um, and simple. Mm-hmm. So, you know, your cost savings is the actual setup um, once you start rolling these uh, this sort of platform out. And when you're talking about that sort of thing, I guess you're really talking about future-proofing as well because we're seeing a lot of breweries at the moment expanding or, you know, um, expanding their capacity or getting new brew houses. And with so much growth going on in the industry, I guess this lets them um, get that trajectory for, you know, uh, increasing and future-proofing their breweries. Oh, look, absolutely. Like the, um, you know, the scalability is one of the great things with these um this sort of automation is that you you can um, tie it in, you know, and even if you've got different bits of equipment talking, you know, different different languages in a way, we can we can make them work all together pretty harmoniously. We can sort of run different platforms and run them back to a a common um, PLC to so everything runs smoothly and communicates well with each other. And and while uh, Burkett obviously provides the, the the hardware, you partner with um, a range of suppliers consistently to provide the sort of end-to-end solution. Yeah, look, we've got um, you know we can do um, approach things in a sort of number of ways. We sort of have our, our system house in in Sydney where we can do full engineering solutions. Um, but you know we work closely with a, a number of industry suppliers. Um, uh, DCAM who do the Firmacraft system, we've we're working closely with. Um, they operate, I think, on the Siemens platform. Uh, we work closely with uh, a lot of the the stainless engineers as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that level of communication we can come in at on a base level 
really helps make it a very economical and um, how would you say I don't know a very fluid. Um, <laughs> pun, pun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, a, a, a really um, fluid sort of approach where you know it, it 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 runs things will run smoothly, especially if we can sort of coordinating with the engineers with the um, other uh, equipment providers. Um, and we and that's where I was saying before we really want to be part of that your business in that sense. We really want to partner with you. Um, to make it make it succeed. So, if you when a brewer who's listening to this is sort of looking at their expansion plans or looking at how they can just sort of nail their process um, through a little bit more automation, what is the first step for them um, to sort of get this activated in their brew house? First step is to talk to us. Um, I think you know we get we so we can get an understanding of what. Um, your your brewer wants to achieve and how they go about it. There's you know a bit of the Donald Rumsfelds. There's the unknown unknowns. Um, you know there's there's the things we don't know um, that the brewer might want, or there's things the brewer might not know we can do, or you know what solutions we have worked on in the past that may streamline an approach they're they're looking at. So uh, I, you know that that conversation is a real um, key to you know getting getting it right from the outset, um, and also understanding your you know the brewers what their business plan is like what what their approach looks like. Have they are they sort of going okay we're we're, we're going to um, consolidate at this size that we're at, or we're looking at a big expansion plan over the next five to ten years? Um, so all of that has to come into the picture. Um, and you know that the whole, you know, finance too, like that. Uh, how much <laughs> the you know everyone's everyone's <laughs> least uh, favorite topic. Uh, yeah, dollars. exactly. <laughs> the dollars. Um, yeah, but it's an important thing. And and how how are you going to achieve it? Um, and what's the value proposition that we can offer uh, in terms of our solutions, which are you know pretty pretty impressive once you actually sit down and and have a look at it, um, and. Yeah, another another good one too is we understand that you know there's a lot of capital need to be tied up in equipment um, to set up a brewery as well, um, and Burkett are actually now in the position where we can finance our solutions to breweries, um, approved businesses. So you don't need necessarily necessarily need to look at a a solution. Go, man, that's yeah, I'd love to spend that sort of money, but it's had my league. We can uh, look at your business plan. You put in sort of like a, a normal application to say okay let's roll with this and and look at a, a term that you're paying it off over um so i think that's pretty exciting from our perspective because you know i you know it's showing our interest in getting this sort of technology into into breweries because we know it works and we know it's great for small business small breweries i think the more people start seeing it the more it'll be accepted and understood to be a really integral and helpful part of the brew process. And obviously Burkett, as a family-owned company, have an understanding of the needs of, you know, family-owned breweries. Oh, look, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, a Europe, you know, European-based uh, company that, you know, has done a number of um, 
brew houses, uh, Wine Stefana, their um, pilot brewery, or you know their their um, pilot production brewery, they've done they've done a refurbishment there. So it's not a new sort of approach that we're we're doing, um, but I think we're sort of just tapping into. I suppose consolidation phase two for the Australian industry. I think it's sort of been it's a pretty young industry, and I, um, I, you know, I think people are now sort of, you know, maybe paid back a bit on their capex on the initial brew house and looking at the next stage to consolidate on where they can make those those fine tune those approaches. Was there anything else you wanted to like you on a list you want to sort of tick off, or are you happy with uh, what we've covered? I think from. Uh, your listeners' perspective, I, I think it's something uh, that I'd encourage them to investigate, whether they're, you know, even if they're not in a position now to sort of go, yeah, that's what I want to do. I think I think once it's uh, in your, you know, your listeners' minds of what they can do, I think it will sort of help form the approach that uh, that they will take. But I guess it's also, like, it's not just knowing what they can do. For me, it's quite often learning what you can do or learning how just one of those niggling little uh you know process issues can be solved um by speaking to somebody that knows how to solve it yeah yeah absolutely and look you know we will be pretty upfront if we sort of go look yeah that's sort of not down our alley we can't really do that but you know maybe talk to this person yeah but there's um i think having the conversation is is the key to Really opening uh, opening the doors for um, improvements or changes in in, in your approach. Um, I think it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty exciting time. I think in the sense of where where automation can take you. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be a long conversation. It's um, you know it's a, a new role from from my perspective, but. It's a it's a pretty exciting one. I think I've come in at, at a really really cool time into the company and into the uh, the industry as well. And it's just uh, only going to get busier as you can get out and travel around. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> well, Luke Hulahan, thank you very much uh, for joining us for this Brewery Pro chat about all things automation and fluid control. And uh, hopefully, next time uh, as the board is open, we can have it over a beer. I look forward to that, Matt. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Um, and look, thanks for your podcast too. I've uh, I've actually listened to a few um, over over the last few weeks um, prior to this, and uh, I'll I'll keep listening. They're uh, <laughs> they're they're a great uh, a great feed. You can download a full transcript of this conversation with links to other information in the show notes to this episode. Brewery Pro content is presented by Brews News and is designed for the brewing industry professional. If you have any suggestions for topics that we can cover, email us at cheers at brewsnews.com.au. Thank you for listening.